0: This episode of the Slash Filmcast is brought to you by HelloFresh, the meal kit delivery service that makes cooking fun. Please visit HelloFresh.com and use the promo code Filmcast30 to save $30 off your first week of deliveries when you subscribe.
1: And welcome to the Slash Filmcast, the official podcast of slashfilm.com. I'm David Chen, and with me are. Avenger Hardwar. And Jeff Kanata. And joining us today, she's a news writer at slashfilm.com, Huai Chen Bui. Welcome back to the Slash Filmcast. How are you doing today, HT?
2: I'm good, I'm good. I'm ready to. Right into battle for this movie.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, today we're going to be reviewing Wonder Woman. Uh, we're going to just start with our review of Wonder Woman. Uh, and then if we have time afterwards, we'll do some After Dark action. But uh, yeah, that's, that's all we got in store for you guys. But you can find more episodes of our podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. And I do want to mention a couple things before we begin today. Firstly, uh, this review was originally going to happen without me. It was going to happen without either me or Davindra, and I think it was going to be without me. Um, but we all came together on early Sunday morning uh, to, to discuss this movie with you guys. And one of the reasons we did that is because uh, w- you know, we have very differing opinions on this film. But another reason is that, Devendra, you, know, you, uh, uh, you were able to fly in and uh, like you just got in from Taiwan
3: I did, uh, yeah.
1: Less than 12 hours ago or something like that? I, I left think?
3: the country to escape Pirates of the Caribbean,
1: and so, yeah. so we wouldn't have to review that. I got here just in time for this. <laughs> well, we appreciate you making time, fighting through incredible jet lag, uh, just to tell me how wrong I am. So I'm actually doing okay. It sounds like, Jeff, you have the worst night
3: of all so far.
0: Yeah, yeah ironically, uh, little tiny baby is worse than... Uh, transcontinental jet lag.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So if we are sounding a little bit tired today, uh, that's why, but uh, we appreciate you guys hanging in there with us. Uh, One other thing I also wanted to mention before we get to our Wonder Woman review, and that is, uh, unfortunately, last week, we learned that Roger Moore passed away. Uh, Roger Moore played James Bond in many, many of the Bond films. And, of course, like, each different actor who played Bond kind of Mm -hmm. brought a different feel to that james bond right like uh daniel craig uh, very much a uh like bring brings a lot of physicality to the role yeah, he's a rougher dude yeah. yeah pierce brosnan i felt brought like a real uh he was just kind of a really good looking and classy uh, a lot of pompousness yeah, yeah the lot, pompousness, pompousness of of pierce brosnan. yeah, uh, yeah schmaltzy schmaltzy yeah and all, the, that,
3: the, all that probably started with the roger moore era like the slightly more comedic like i I think uh, the ideas of James Bond that we make fun of from uh, maybe from Austin Powers or at least the tone of it, a lot of that is the Roger Moore era stuff, even though Austin Powers, I think, directly made fun of the earlier stuff.
1: Right. Um, But yeah, Roger Moore, uh, I I think he's been in more James Bond movies than any other actor, right? Uh, Mm Yeah. And definitely a, a, a person who helped to put this idea of James Bond out into the world uh, that would later, as you said, Davindra get parodied, but uh, was still kind of a, a huge part of cinema history in, in a lot of ways. Davindra, uh, you're you're a Roger Moore fan specifically, yes? Uh, I, I really liked it. I think mainly
3: because I grew up watching these movies more than any of the other Bond ones. Um, these are the ones like my family just ended up watching a lot. And yeah. They're good. They're good movies. Like, for your eyes only, I think it's a lot of fun. These are like big action movies and um roger moore had a very different s- style than uh, sean connery even he's not as big a dude he's not as like tough a dude but he's a little more refined he's a little more like classy in a way so it, it was a really i don't know he, he just left a big impact in my life him playing james bond yeah
0: totally, totally yeah i think for our generation he was bond you know i think a lot of a lot of uh the sentiment that I've heard, uh, since his passing was, was of people of our age range because we grew up and our parents were like, no, 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 James Bond is Sean Connery. And we're like, no, James Bond is Roger Moore. And you know, he may be looked on as sort of the, the cheese ball bond, but, Mm -hmm. uh, I think for people of a certain age who grow up with those movies, he, he was what James Bond was. I mean, Moonraker. Yeah. Do you will chill. <laughs> for your eyes only. These are amazing movies that probably don't
3: hold up, but still M- are maybe just- less so Moonraker. But yeah, <laughs> I love others. Moonraker, dude. I
0: love Moonraker. Uh, yeah. But Oh,
3: the man with the golden gun. If you really want to like honor uh, him and uh, what's his face? Christopher Lee, too. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a good one to watch.
1: Well, rest in peace, Roger Moore. You really gave a lot to the world of Bond and to the world of cinema and spy movies in general, and you will be missed. All right, folks, uh, why don't we get to our review right now of Wonder Woman? Diana. Fighting does not make you a hero. What if I promise to be careful? Just a shield, then. Diana. Diana. Be careful of mankind, Diana.
3: They do not deserve you. You've told me this story.
1: What is this place? Who are you, people? We are the bridge to a greater understanding. Right. What is your mission? Well, here's the thing.
3: You are in more danger than you think.
1: That was from the trailer of Wonder Woman, the new film by director Patty Jenkins. It stars Gal Gadot, Chris Pine, Connie Nielsen, and Robin Wright. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Before she was Wonder Woman, she was Diana, princess of the Amazon's trained warrior when a pilot crashes and tells of conflict in the outside world she leaves home to fight a war to end all wars discovering her full powers and true destiny so this is the newest film that takes place in the dc comics universe and i do want to mention real quick that as we are recording this this morning uh news broke that uh all the projections were wrong this movie is going to make over $100 million this weekend, putting it on track for a total domestic take of between 250 and $300 million. That's such uh, great news. I'm yeah, so happy. Really good news. <laughs> Uh, Jeff, a lot of people were, were, uh, very, uh, moved by your, uh, recanting last week of your, my mea culpa, your mea yeah. culpa last week about your summer movie wager. Uh, I, I'm really grateful you shared that with us. I'm only bummed. I won't get to give you a difficult time about it for the rest of the summer. Oh, I'm um, sure you will. I'm uh, sure you uh, still I'll, will. I'll try. I'll try, yeah. but it'll be difficult. What would the show be if we didn't always just make fun of each other? Come
0: on. <laughs> I, I have never been so happy to be wrong. Uh, yeah, th- yeah
1: uh i think what's what's interesting to me is what uh where wonder woman will end up i mean davindra and i had it at number four and i'm Mm -hmm. feeling pretty good about that choice uh i think i could see it going higher though it could see yeah it could go higher could go three i mean the big questions right now are spider-man homecoming and Despicable Me Three, which I think are the only movies left this summer that could make over three hundred million dollars domestically. So, uh, if those movies make as much as you know, I think they will. Then Wonder Woman will end up squarely at number four, which will be a really decisive pick for me and Devendra. Uh But we'll see. We'll see. You know what happens. I can
0: I, I can assure you of is that um, I'm getting one point for my dark
1: horse. <laughs> nice. One solid point. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, anyway. A uh, lot of buzz about this movie. This movie has is one of the best reviewed superhero films ever. Uh, so a lot of momentum going the weekend. White hot word of mouth. So HT, let's hear from you first. What did you think of Wonder Woman?
2: So I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a delightful coming of age as well as this great superhero origin story. Um, I know that it a lot of uh, parallels have been made to Captain America, the first Avenger and Thor, but I actually saw it as a sort of um, superhero version of a a Disney princess movie. Mm -hmm. And I really love that Diana really embodied all of these uh, qualities of the Disney princess in that she's compassionate. She is idealistic. She is the, um, the idealism of, Mulan, a Pocahontas, but she's also very much the inquisitive nature of Ariel. And I love that the movie kind of so- becomes I want to be of-
0: where the superheroes exactly. are.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there is a moment, um, I guess I'll talk about it later in the spoiler part where there you could definitely have just the I want song that you have in every Disney movie and it would have fit in totally. But it's just it was so amazing to me to see a movie a super movie, especially that of a DCEU movie that was incredibly hopeful and earnest as Wonder Woman was. And I really love the message that it had at the end of it as well. Um, and Gal Gadot was amazing in it. So um, I love Wonder Woman. I actually am not a huge Wonder Woman fan. Um, I never really liked how uh, brutal and kind of warrior like she was. But this sort of compassionate and naive version of Diana really compelled me.
1: All right, Jeff Kanata, Marvel, Marvel zombie from way back, uh, guy on podcasts who often, in my opinion, unfairly penalizes non-Marvel movies. What? <laughs> what did you think of Wonder Woman? You mean
0: just in general? Like, I like I don't like, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, rom-coms because they're right. not
1: Marvel movies? That's and... right, there were sports movies or anything like that, yeah. Yeah, That's yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um <laughs> So yes, uh, Marvel Zombie from way back. The the thing I liked about about Marvel comics as a kid was that uh, it's funny how I'm reviewing a DC movie and making it about Marvel. But you did this, Dave. You you set it up this way. <laughs> um, thing I loved about those characters were that they were human. They had human foibles. It's a it's a kid who's trying to go to high school but also has superpowers. It's um, a billionaire playboy with a super suit who also has a drinking problem. It is, it is a doctor who has, he can turn into a super strong monster, but it's a monster and it's horrible. They always is, there's always a flaw. There's always a, a, a difficult thing for them to deal with. Very human, right? On the flip side of that, the DC heroes, the, the justice league cadre of heroes are gods. These are the best of us. They are the absolute, pinnacle of what human beings should be. They're truth, justice in the American way. They're they're, um, refined and and almost perfection personified, right? And that didn't really resonate with me as much as the other thing. But that's, I think, what sets the DC heroes apart from the Marvel heroes. And I think that is what was missing from the DC cinematic universe up until this point. What Wonder Woman – realizes and understands and capitalizes on is that thing that makes DC characters, DC characters. They are not human, but by, by reinforcing the, th- the best of human beings by being noble and, uh, and believing in all of these noble aspects of human beings we learn more about ourselves we are inspired by these heroes that's their that's their job is to inspire to raise up and that's what i found missing in man of steel now batman is is in his own little universe but he's still a very perfect guy in a lot of ways what wonder woman does that that man of steel didn't do that batman versus superman didn't do is it gives us an inspiration. It gives us a character that sees the best in human beings and, and is a role model in a lot of ways for what we can be as human beings. And I found that to be so refreshing, so right on and so fun to watch. I mean, the movie remembers to be fun. It remembers to be hilarious and charming and it gives uh, a great, um, a great human being for our God to bounce off of. Uh, I think that Chris Pine is, is really fun and charming in his, in his role and Gal Gadot and he have a, have a great chemistry together. Um, and the action sequences in this movie are awesome. I mean, it starts off with just a, such a cool vision of what the Amazons can do and it only keeps going from there. The movie has flaws and we'll get to those in spoilers. I think, the ending is not as strong as it could be, but the realization of this character and the moment where she really truly becomes wonder woman, I teared up. It is emotional and powerful because of what it represents because of what all of the things that it does. So right in giving us this vision of something to feel inspired and hopeful about, uh, I I loved the experience of watching this movie. I'm rooting for it to just crush at the box office. Uh, and I think everybody should see it. it it's, it's thoroughly entertaining. It's fun. It's funny. It's action-packed. It has scale and hope. It's it's great.
1: All right. Devinder Hardwar. You, so you saw this movie in Taiwan, right? I did, yes.
3: Uh, uh, with a semi-crowded audience during the day. So that was nice to see. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah, what was
1: that experience like? What did you think of this film?
3: Uh, yeah, so every time I go to Computex, I basically try to see one movie there in Taiwan. It's it's fine. Like, it's really no different um, because but the like movies are— there's, Chinese subtitles? Or? There are Chinese subtitles. Yeah, the movies yeah. are presented in English, and, you know, it's fine. It feels like a typical movie theater. Uh, one weird thing they do, they pre-assign you a seat. I'm not sure if you can actually—maybe online you could choose it, but that's one thing I learned this year. So that was a little weird. But overall, I love this movie. Uh, for everything HT— and Jeff said, I am astonished that this movie could come out of the DC universe after we've had just such a bleak time of it, right? After Zack <laughs> Snyder took Superman and just, like, dragged that character through the dirt, right? And I think back to, like, Pa Kent and just, like, the shitty, life philosophy he gave to Superman. <laughs> it's just, like – and then Wonder Woman here is, like, hey, maybe people are good. Like, saying everything we expected Pa Kent to say, right? Like, giving that grounding lesson. So I do think there is room down the line for her to be, like, a good positive influence to uh, these mopey DC superheroes we have so far. And maybe she'll be the one who teaches them to believe in the good of humanity and all that stuff. Overall, I freaking loved this movie Um, for everything you guys have been saying. But also, like – Simply put, this movie kicks ass. Like, this movie starts out kicking ass, and it doesn't really stop. Um, I have issues with The Last Act. I think, like, most superhero origin movies, even Iron Man, as much as we love that, like, things get clunky, things get a little weird. But there's stuff in this movie that we definitely have not seen very much of. And just the idea of just, like, seeing, you know, this whole island of uh, women warriors just— just being awesome, like that's it. Just, just that. Like the image of like young, um, young Diana, kind of trying to mimic these women and trying to be like a young warrior herself. Like I was tearing up at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. It was great because we don't see this. Um, so I and think you really that, can't
0: overstate how awesome they are being.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 they it's are like, being
0: it's, very awesome.
3: It's, it's an amazing crazy.
2: experience. Yeah, it's an ex- amazing experience just seeing all those women who are look so different and are so strong just on screen yeah. together. I don't think I've ever seen that in
1: yeah. another it, it, movie just before. The, just the visual of it, like you realize, mm-hmm. like this movie uh, passes the Bechdel test in the first you know thirty seconds, right? Mm-hmm. And you realize that you just rarely see. Uh, all like a bunch of talented women on screen together and kicking ass it just happens very yeah. you see a bunch of dudes very often like that happens a lot but, but I, uh yeah go ahead jeff
0: i think even more than that though the way that they are being awesome is completely original completely mm-hmm. unique like mm-hmm. the the look and feel of how they fight how they behave how they the, their entire modus operandi is feels fresh like yeah. it just, even on a pure just kinetic visual action level. They do cool stuff that is different than the cool stuff you've seen in other movies.
3: For sure. And uh, like that's something I want to mention. Like when I say it's really cool seeing these women being badass, it's more than just like a token gesture for equality or something. Like it is it's it's like there. It's objectively true. The way the action is choreographed and put together. And some of these sequences are insanely great. It reminds me of, like, um, some, like, uh, fantasy martial arts films. There's a bit of anime in there. Just, like, crazy things that these uh, women are doing. And it's so, like, it's so casually awesome, too, right? It doesn't, like completely slow down show you, like, oh, look at this person making this really good sword stroke or something. There's so much stuff happening at once. Like, all these cool little tidbits. I couldn't even, like, catch them all. And I'm somebody who watches, you know, a ton of action movies. This is a movie I'm going to rewatch just to see, like, the really little cool bits all throughout all these sequences. Uh, But, yeah, beyond that, uh, Gal Gadot is awesome. Like, I love all the cast. Um, Specifically, shout out to Robin Wright, who plays her aunt. And, like, god damn. How... I just love that woman. That could do you no
0: know wrong, man. Seriously, that woman, she is my, yeah. My insane.
1: Uh, so I watched this movie with my fiance, and she said, uh, "I I'm really uh, looking forward to the all Robin Wright prequel to this movie." Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes,
3: If if only that were possible. Yeah, with like all of our like uh, yeah CGifying uh, technology or something, but. It, yeah, her character is awesome. I wanted so much more out of her. I love the relationship with Chris Pine. And I lo- also love the way, by the way, that Chris Pine, his role is basically the sort of like, you know, the woman role in most action movies. You know, mm-hmm. the role of like the damsel to be rescued and the supporting character. And I love that, you know, he's there. He's a big name star. But at the same time, he's not the star of this movie. And I love that the movie makes that very clear many times, even though at times like there is some tension between like what Diane is trying to do and what he's trying to do. I love the supporting cast. I love the fact that this movie can be also just take time to give you like nice character moments and also be inclusive in other ways. Um, uh, the other like the other members of their troop include uh, Syed Tugmui as a I think he's is he a smuggler? He's just, like, general badass. And he has, like, a small uh, chat with Diana talking about, like, the things people want to do and sometimes you can't do it. And he talks about, like, how, you know, being a brown man trying to be an actor during World War One era, uh, it's not happening for him. And the movie takes its time for that. Uh, I love that the movie has so much vision and hope and optimism. But at the same time, it really takes time to um, kind of reorient Diana into reality, too, to, like, her kind of learn that the I don't know, like the bubble she was raised in isn't completely true. And I love how it balances that, too. Like, this is about a character who believes in very, like, uh, decisive ways of doing things and very black and white realities. She's learning the complexities of humans, too. It's
0: so, about just, something. It's a movie about yeah, something more yes. than, hey, our moms have the same name.
1: Exactly.
2: I love it. It's a, it's a It acts as both a deconstruction of Diana's ideals and her absolute, like, way of looking at the world and also a reaffirmation of her faith in humanity and in the goodness of humanity. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's so beautifully done, too. And
3: it's and so. I'm, yeah, go, go for it.
2: I love that the World War I setting really works in favor of mm-hmm. this because mm-hmm. I think it only could have been done in, if it was done in a period film in World War I because there is no clear bad guy. Um, world War I was historically uh, just a confluence of all of these political events and allies and treaties treatises that broke apart, and there's no clear set um like line uh it's all a world of grays, whereas in World War II you know we have a clear set. Right, bad right. guy. Um, so I think that really worked in favor of the theme and the messages of this movie. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Well, uh, sounds like you guys will love the movie. Let me uh, let me say a couple things. <laughs> Did you things. get that, Dave? Did you get that from what we said? <laughs> <laughs> let me say a couple things before I launch into my review, okay? One is that uh, we got this email from Bradley from Alberta, Canada, and I just wanted to read uh, part of this email as kind of a framing of, of what I'm about to say, okay? Uh, Bradley writes in like he's going to be spoiler free in this email He's talking about wa- watching Wonder Woman and uh, bringing his daughter to go see it and he says during one action beat Diana does some very cool and inspiring heroics towards the middle of the film and by the end of the scene my daughter jumped up in her seat shouted woo and clapped I put yes. my hand on her shoulder but before I could parentally discipline her the clapping started to explode around us a man shouted <laughs> Wonder Woman yeah from the back it was wonderful. <laughs> that enough uh, made this movie great for me. Uh, but then the fine film went even further. Diana's declaration and the overall message of the film is something similar to what I have been teaching my kids for years. I openly wept as my excited daughter, enthralled with this iconic hero, tugged at my sleeve saying, Dad, that's what you say. Uh Aww. Bradley Aww. says, That's great. Cry right I'm crying again. <laughs> <laughs> Bradley says it was an okay film, but the greatest cinematic experience I've had this year. Um, so, I, just, the, just the
0: pure fact that Diana walks by people who are suffering and can't bring herself to to just move on.
3: Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. why doesn't Superman do that? <laughs> why doesn't right. Superman do it, right. guys? I was I, I just uh, talked about the Phantom Menace in another podcast recently. Do you guys remember in that movie, freaking? Uh, at some point the Jedi they're there uh, they, uh, they're they faced with slaves and at some point uh, Qui-Gon's like we're not here to save slaves <laughs> what
0: the fuck <laughs> no then you're, what is you're your the purpose, heroes you asshole
1: <laughs> <laughs> well there was a scene in the uh, in the deleted scenes in Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition where Superman <laughs> saves one dude during that Capitol Hill explosion aww so that's great you know nice. <laughs> yeah so
0: think about but that. That's Chris. how I mean that I don't want to get off on a rant here, but that, that's that's <laughs> Superman's weakness. That is the weakness of these heroes. That's what the villains use is the, the, their compassion. Right. And then we find out that that is not a weakness, that the compassion like that's the whole fucking purpose of these stories. And the fact that that is completely ignored in the movies that set up this universe is a travesty. And thank God. That this movie understands that. It gets back to that. And I hope, as you said, uh, Davindra, that this is potentially a, t- a corner turn for the entire cinematic universe. That this, this feels like a course correction. I, really, I yeah. really hope that's the case.
3: Well, also with uh, Joss Whedon kind of taking the reins in uh, Justice League and everything too, right? This is, this is his philosophy. In a way too, and like I'm sure he's going to use Wonder Woman in great ways to kind of school those idiots, basically.
0: Well, we haven't, we yeah. haven't really talked about that little piece of news, mm-hmm. but I think that is that is kind of so unfortunate, right? Because mm-hmm. it's going to be the worst of both worlds for Zack Snyder, right? Because everything yeah. crappy in the Justice League movie is going to make, well, does that Joss couldn't fix that, and everything <laughs> awesome is going to be like, thank God Joss <laughs> was there, you know? But it at the same
3: time, sense. it's true. I mean. <laughs>
0: Well, I don't know. We don't know how (laughs) much. We don't know. We We don't. don't,
1: We don't don't know. know. But, uh, but I just know where my loyalties lie. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I I think we all understand that. Uh, So, uh, also, I have some. I have some late breaking news. Brian Brian David's from the Film Slubs podcast, who listens to our shows live, um, and I I actually really enjoy Brian's work. He has uh, texted me, and he says the O in Godot is pronounced like the letter O. Nobody has put more research into this than me. I'll wager my entire existence on this, having talked to multiple Israelis about it. I can also link you to multiple videos where she advises this pronunciation. Okay. dote like doting dad. So it's pronounced gadot. apparently. Has
2: anyone asked Gal... How what her name? How her name is pronounced? Like, have we ever found a clip of her saying her name? Well, I, I think, think
1: that's what Brian is implying yeah. that that's okay. yeah, that's what he is. He, so okay, sure. So I'm sure. going to pronounce it Godot for the rest of the podcast, and if, if I am wrong, one guy on
0: the internet told me so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but if, if, what could go wrong? If I'm wrong, with Brian this? David's from Film Slubs podcast is who you need to write into. This Not could be the most epic troll of all time. <laughs> <laughs> this could be amazing. This could be amazing. Okay, so I share that email from Bradley to say that. This is clearly a movie that is, is very powerful to a lot of people, seeing photos from all around the country of uh, women gathering to see uh, a female superhero on the big screen for the first time in, I don't know, like when, when was the last time something like this happened where she was headlining, Catwoman. right? Catwoman? Catwoman. Yeah. Cat Electra. Electra 12 years
2: ago. Catwoman, Catwoman was in 2005.
1: Yeah, yeah, Catwoman. There's Electra I mean, uh, you know, Mad Max Fury Road should have been called Imperator Furiosa, but it wasn't. That was uh, a nice sticky thing, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like I, I think that was the last movie where there is a bunch of women who were thoroughly kicking ass on screen in like large groups, uh, in in the same scale as this movie. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been seemingly forever, and nothing like that has has taken. The country by storm in this way uh has has been with us for for a long time i like how and, you're framing this tldr david chen is still unimpressed <laughs> well i i think i think what i'm saying is like virtually i think pretty much every single person i like and respect uh in terms of film critics filmmakers right like everyone <laughs> on twitter who i follow is in the tank for this movie. And, and they must and, be wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying they all like this movie. And, uh, and you know, imagine witnessing everyone who you've ever respected say something is great that you don't think is great. I'm not saying, like, woe is me, I'm in a bad situation. I'm just saying, like, that has been my experience uh-huh. of uh, watching the reaction but to this movie. Over the
3: w- last what time. is your conclusion from that, though, Dave? Is it that maybe... It's the children
1: children who are wrong. It's it's the children (laughs) who are wrong. That's (laughs) what you're doing right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so uh, let me say some things I really liked about this movie. I thought Gal Gadot's performance was... Was very good. I thought she like I would say the vast majority of the film. She was very convincing, conveying the whole range of emotions that this person needs to convey, which is a lot, a lot to ask of her. She needs to be naive and vulnerable, but also really strong and inspiring. And um, one thing you know that I thought was very interesting was how this movie totally subverts the "born sexy yesterday" trope that uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago on the Slash Filmcast um, about you know. There's this this idea of Born Sexy Yesterday that uh, in uh, movie history, there's movies where women are uh, very beautiful and sexualized, but they have the mind of a child, and they're incredibly naive and don't know anything about worldly things. And, uh, you know, Diana I, has a lot of naivete. I don't know if that applies here, Dave. That, well, that's what I, I'm saying. I, it, I see where you're going. I'm saying it yeah. doesn't apply here. Okay. It doesn't apply here because yeah. uh, usually it's it's used as a way of making an incredibly attractive woman be, right, right. like, very naive and allowing men to, like, talk down to her and educate her and stuff like that. And that just does not happen here. Like, it does, th- there's a line in this movie of how, like... Um, Early in the film, where she says men are not uh, essential for pleasure, which I think a lot of men are going to find to be like an incredibly threatening uh, sentiment. <laughs> but I just was very impressed that they had put it in this movie. So, uh, yeah. So I liked that that they used well, this character played like a
0: comedic moment. So it's yeah. not. I don't know if it's right. It's not, it's not didactic in
1: my opinion. Um, yeah, it's not like
0: that. She's like,
1: <laughs> go away, man. Well, well it's a good thing it's people on the internet never to overreact to things, yeah. Jeff. Um, Anyway, I
3: think it's already, a, it's already the, the heart of a review that people are making fun of. So. Yeah. <laughs> and, but,
0: but she is, man, she, she is really good in this movie, but also impossibly beautiful, mm-hmm. like Im, Im, impossibly beautiful.
1: A, 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 at times, her hair was distractingly fabulous during some of the action yeah. scenes. <laughs> it's, almost, um, it's almost hard to look directly at her. <laughs> yeah. It makes uh,
2: sense because she's a goddess.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it so totally worked. So I thought Gal Gadot was great. I think the opening third of this movie is very, very strong. Uh, the stuff that takes place on her homeworld, how do you pronounce it? Themyscira? Themyscira? Themyscira. yeah. I thought that was all very strong. Like this, this whole um, – they used CG and real-life f- filming to mm-hmm. create this – world that looks otherworldly you know it's, it's and also for the
3: for the characters themselves you like there's some questionable cg in terms of the character modeling but yeah. it reminded me of what de dator was doing in blade 2 which also wasn't fully successful but i love that idea of kind of using cg to supplement some of the some of the character movements yeah, and, stuff. Re- and it leads to some great shots
1: yeah, uh, and I, I was actually impressed with the environment too. It reminded me, not in terms of the look, but in terms of just how it was built—the uh, like Fellowship of the Ring and building Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just it, it looks like it's of this world, but also not of this world, and that's how I feel like they constructed their homeworld. And uh, really, just loved the whole look. Loved the uh, the kind of uh, all the characters you're introduced to there, and the build up there, the relationship between Wonder Woman and her mom. It's all very strong, in my opinion uh the second act is kind of you know uh, it kind of kind of drags a little bit, uh but I think that overall it's it's still pretty good i'd give the i'd give the opening act a an a and the second act a b mm-hmm. um and the third act uh, a d minus like i thought just <laughs> it was a disastrous third like catastrophic third act uh that so i you just, didn't like it uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's correct, I did not like it i mean, i think that. What this movie ultimately suffers from is uh, just being a little bit too overstuffed, being like what a lot of modern superhero films are. They try to cram in all this material. That, and this movie, its ambition is massive. It tries to do all, it needs to introduce this whole homeworld, needs to get this origin story going. Then you gotta introduce all the human aspects of it. And, like, there's this Chris Pine character and um, all the human machinations, the politics of what's going on the World War and introduce all that stuff and then, uh, you know, bring it to a satisfying conclusion that, like, fulfills all these different character arcs. Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately... Uh it doesn't do that successfully mm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think like it's um I'd compare mm. it to Avengers Age of Ultron. <laughs> we <all> went, um, <laughs> Everyone's like
3: everyone's <laughs> me right now. Uh, it's a it, it's a weird comparison because I think Age of Ultron there's a lot more going on in that movie a lot more pieces being juggled whereas here it, it's very clear and we'll talk more about this in spoilers but there is the Diana plot line and kind of what she, it, she is kind of dealing with on her supernatural end and also the human side and that's that's pretty much it.
1: Like yeah, it's not right, over right. I, think, in my I mind. think actually it's yeah, so it's, it's not cheap. overstuffed in terms of like uh the plot. I think it's overstuffed in terms of the characters and what it's trying to do with the characters. Uh mm-hmm. but one thing we should say to this film's credit is uh they don't have like a, you know, Thor in the Ragnarok cave. Scene, you know, where it's just like <laughs> it adds nothing to the plot. I mean, the bookends arguably are uh, extraneous, but but you don't see any other DC characters in this movie. You don't see no. a Batman, and we should also mention, by the way, in my screening there was no post credit scene. There um, is no, there is no, yeah. So uh, so that that's to the film's credit. I think is that it doesn't feel yeah. overstuffed in terms of the DC universe from that perspective. Uh, which I would say is something that Avengers Age of Ultron definitely did suffer from. So uh, so those are my overall thoughts on the movie. And I think we can dive more deeply into how I'm wrong uh, about the film. Um, <laughs> well, so
3: soon. I, I, there may be stuff before
1: spoilers in to spoilers, yeah.
3: deal with her. I just want to say I really also really like Danny Houston in this movie. I love Danny Houston when he gets to play a villainous role. And there is a point in this movie where they do something that's just like extra evil it's like doctor evil and then they laugh about it and i thought that was hilarious like it was it's so campy
1: in a way but it's like oh look at how evil i am <laughs> i mean i think i think the villains all the villain characters whoever they are uh did not work for me at all in this movie like it it falls <laughs> into the the marvel syndrome of like the villains being completely unmemorable often mm-hmm. very cartoonish uh, and not characters who you have any kind of sympathy with or root for at all, which is something that I think the best villains are. Like, you get the conflict of Loki, which is one of the only good. Marvel villains like Mm. you understand why he feels that way and on some level you want him to win Mm. even though like on a big picture level you don't and I never felt that with these villains
3: there's definitely stuff in spoilers I want to talk about just referring to the overall philosophy of the movie and the greater villain Uh, but I also I liked uh, the Dr. Maru character as well this person who's just like creating these poisons it's it's not nuanced evil right it is pure just like they want to see people suffer but at the same time, I think that's a great a way to counter a character like Wonder Woman who is just pure goodness. And she believes in the goodness of humanity and everything. And this movie is about her discovering that. So I think the I design, could see the why the design of
1: Dr. Poison was really cool. So that's, good. Yeah it, yeah. it looked very good.
2: Yeah, I, I actually kind of enjoyed the the smaller villains, like how schmaltzy they were. I thought it mm-hmm. went – it worked really well with the old school feel of Wonder Woman, uh, not just in the period setting but kind of the like earnest, oh. just – go get them sort of uh mm-hmm. vibe that we get you with can this
3: hear film. them cackling like evil super yeah. villains and at one point they do cackle like evil super villains and i cracked up but like <laughs> there's a point with uh gas in the room and a gas mask and it was just
1: so deliciously evil is fun uh well i did not have the same reaction but that's okay is <laughs> <Dave laughs> well, like i don't feel emotion that's so right. fine <laughs> that's right let's
0: well you guys want to uh, talk about the score
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah. It was was a solid score. I think it was. uh, What's some someone? Gregson Williams. One of the Gregson Williams. Is that his son? Rupert Gregson Williams, right? Uh, Who I think is uh, the brother of Harry. uh, He's the brother of film composer Harry Gregson Williams. Um, Harry Gregson Williams, huge fan of that guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, He did scores for like I think he did the Metal Gear. score the metal gears uh video game score which harry is Grigson, like a yeah. really awesome score starting with metal gear solo 2 but i mean he's he, known for like big action movie sound yeah and he i really did, did some tony movie scott movie. he did spy game he did yeah, mm-hmm. shrek he did uh spy kids uh, the, the, i'm talking about harry gregson williams yeah, 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 yeah. haven't seen as much of his work um but i thought it was overall pretty strong um pretty soaring and mm-hmm. uh i liked how it didn't go too overboard with the incorporation of that uh, electric guitar riff. Yeah. From there's Batman some nice uh, digital bits to the score that I really enjoyed too. Uh, Rupert Gregson Williams, by the
3: way, did music for Veep, so you know him from there. Yeah, yeah. and Paul Blart Mall Cop too. There you go.
1: Um, so, what, how far he's come? He's got a wide breadth of work. A breadth of work. So, uh, you know what I thought
0: was interesting uh, about this movie as well is. Uh, the words Wonder Woman were never spoken.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. It
0: didn't have that scene that we always have where the newspaper headline says, Wonder Woman spotted in fight. You know, it's like, (laughs) oh, I guess that's what everyone's calling you now. You know, that that moment that we always have in these movies where they get coined... Yeah, yeah.
2: But yeah, yeah. it worked though. Yeah. I thought like we I'm didn't need.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, why don't we move to spoilers? But Jeff, I think you have some stuff to tell us about.
0: Yeah, Dave. Um, you know that how you love to eat crow on all your opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd say love. Well, you're going to eat crow uh, as the show continues. Uh, it turns out you don't have to be eating crow all the time, Dave. I know you. All you seem to feed yourself is copious amounts of crow. <laughs>
3: And wrong opinions. And
0: wrong, wrong, wrong things. Uh, But there's a better way to do it. Our sponsor, HelloFresh, can make it easy, nutritious, and fun, fun, to actually cook for yourself. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that allows you to focus on the things that are fun rather than just the final plate of the experience. So if you're like me, you probably really don't like going to the grocery store or figuring out what to cook. It's a hassle. And you end up with extra bits of ingredients that you don't need. HelloFresh solves those problems. They send awesome recipes to your door for free. There's no shipping costs uh, involved. It's just the subscription fee and no shipping costs. And at this point, the meals themselves... Come out to less than $10 a meal. That's insanely uh, affordable, really wonderful uh, for somebody that's trying to feed themselves on a budget like myself. But the meals are great. They have fresh ingredients, and they include step-by-step instructions that are designed to take about 30 minutes for anybody to cook. If you're a novice like me or a seasoned home cook that you don't have enough time to worry about you know, coming up with your greatest recipe right now – They've got your back, and it's really the kind of thing where I have gotten to the point where cooking is fun. The thing I like most about getting Hello Fresh to me is that each meal comes in its own uh, recyclable container, and it has everything you need right in that one box. So What you do when you get it is you, un- uh, you open up the box that it comes in, and then you pick up the individual meal box that has all the ingredients just the amount that you need for that meal all pre-portioned right there for you you just put that in your fridge and you're good to go and when you're ready to cook you pull out that one little box i love that aspect of it it Mm -hmm. makes it so convenient and so easy when you get it
3: um i I find the the worst part of cooking right is measuring those ingredients and trying to figure everything out and it's kind of just all done here so that's nice
0: Yeah, and you have no food waste because Mm -hmm. everything is pre-portioned out for what exactly you need. If you need one egg, they give you one egg. If you need a little bit of honey, they give you a little bit of honey. It's it's great. You're not going to have like a giant jar of honey that you may or may not ever use. (laughs) Well, Jeff, this
1: all sounds amazing, but do we have any kind of discount we can give people or anything like that? I mean like maybe I want to try it, but I don't want to pay the full amount the first time I try it, right? Don't rush me, David. Oh.
0: (laughs) 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 Sorry. HelloFresh employs two full-time registered dietitians on staff. <laughs> these, these dietitians review each recipe to ensure that it is nutritionally balanced. You're going to eat better. You're going to feel better because these are actually really good nutritional meals. They say the best way to actually uh, you know, lose weight and ha- live healthier is to cook on your own because you're not getting a bunch of junk that people put in the recipes. You're getting what you know uh, that, that you've put in there. Also, I don't think anybody could foresee this, but we actually have a special deal for <laughs> listeners that listen to this show. That's a, that sounds want... amazing. That's great. Dave, David, no one asked your opinion. <laughs> Literally no one asked your opinion about this. <laughs> if you want 30 bucks off your first week of HelloFresh, all you got to do is is go to HelloFresh.com, that's H-E-L-L-O-F-R-E-S-H.com, enter promo code FilmCast30, and you will get $30 off your first week. Why not give it a shot? And that, you can cancel any time. Give it a shot. I bet you will love it. I bet it will change your life like it has changed mine. Check out HelloFresh.com. Use that promo code FilmCast30. Live healthier, fresher, and really have more fun eating. Have more fun cooking.
1: All right. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, Jeff. Kind of a tense, uh, tense conversation <laughs> there between you and me about, uh, HelloFresh. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, shocked that
0: you really just wanted to interject yourself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, well, we also want to thank all the people who donated to the Slash Homecast this week, uh, in addition to our sponsor. Thanks to Irvin Hahn, who's donating to tell David he's wrong about Wonder Woman. Um, Glenn, people, people have donations now. To just to tell us we're wrong about things, Jeff. This is great, um, actually. I like this
0: strategy. Well, cool. it's really good for us considering how wrong we often are. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Glenn D. from Austin, Texas, with an extremely generous donation. Robin C. from San, San Francisco, California. And Troy Vallis, or Vias, not sure how to pronounce that, but Troy, thanks so much for your contributions. Thanks also to new subscribers Andrew Kane and Yannick Poirel for subscribing at the rate of $2 per month. If you want to support the Slash cast, defray the costs of seeing movies, doing what we do here Go to SlashFilm.com, click on the SlashFilmcast tab, use the PayPal links on the side of the page. We really appreciate it. You can also go to Paypal.me filmcast. That's Paypal.me Slash the word Filmcast. Thanks to our sponsors, HelloFresh. Thanks to uh, our donors uh, who donate to the SlashFilmcast. Let's get to spoilers for Wonder Woman starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're
0: not really looking. I have been
1: puzzling over how
0: you don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. To tell you my secret. You
1: want to be fooled. Guys, this uh, week, I saw a movie that takes place during a major world war where a group of misfits assemble to take down a cartoonishly evil villain. Towards the end, a character named Steve, played by a guy named Chris, sacrifices himself to save a giant city by flying away in a jumbo plane to his death. But enough about Captain America, the first Avenger, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Zing. Let's talk about Wonder Woman.
3: Except in this movie, he actually dies. (laughs) That's correct. That's actually better.
1: You are not, uh, not even
0: saying even "boom goes the dynamite" anymore. Today. Uh, you know, I missed or... it because it's implied. Kinda, you
1: kind of got to cut implied. me off there. I want to thank Chase Donnet, the uh, listener Chase Donnet, who for uh, supplying me with half of that. Uh, boom that goes
3: feels like the a joke. kind of a stretch of a boom, but okay. I uh, don't. I don't, it's good. I don't
0: think. I good. mean, the Steve is, Chris the Steve Chris <laughs> stuff is strong. I'll be honest. That's with also that's it takes strong. place
1: during a world war as well. You know, so um, <laughs> I'm
2: gonna and, say something possibly controversial. I think that. Steve in Wonder Woman has a fuller arc than Steve in Captain America, the First Hmm. Avenger. That's
3: interesting. Okay.
1: Lay it on us. What
2: I really liked about Steve Trevor in Wonder Woman is that he has his own complete character arc that is both intrinsically tied to Diana, but it also is something that his own backstory and his own experiences lend to. Mm -hmm. And he starts off as, you know, a spy on a mission who is a quite disillusioned and, you know, he doesn't think that he can save everyone. But through Diana, he learns to believe in both the, the better parts of humanity and in himself. And I really like that he and Diana both make each other become better people mm-hmm. and embrace that sort of idealism that Diana espouses at the beginning as well as Steve's own uh, experiences with humans being flawed and fatal or flawed and uh, complex so whereas in Captain America First Avenger I feel like Steve Rogers is already a fully formed character Mm, at the beginning he doesn't really go through any complex character arc or uh, struggles that steve Mm -hmm. trevor does did you see how skinny he started out (laughs) physically he he only so skinny he he already had the intention of doing good but the movie of first avenger really only allows him and changes him Mm -hmm. to do to actually act on that good
3: he was Um, pure idealism from the beginning and the movie didn't really change that towards well but whereas in one
2: woman both of them get changed Mm -hmm. yeah Continue I think he's trying at, to do
0: something yeah. different though, right? Because with with uh, the character arc for Steve Rogers is that he's trying to achieve something and it is circumstances that get in his way, right? He is mm-hmm. he is uh, initially uh, used as this propaganda symbol that doesn't have any actual impact on anything. So it, it is it's a different kind of story, right? It's a, it's the story it's of annoying. a a, a, a person that's trying to do something and given impediments along the way and then finally achieves it, rather than a, a story of someone who doesn't know what they are trying to achieve and then realizes it and actualizes it.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have nothing against uh, heroes who are inherently good and just want to do by, do act on that good, like Steve Rogers. But I think Wonder Woman does something really interesting with both the characters of Diana and Steve, Steve Trevor, in that... Diana kind of embodies the Steve Rogers idealism, but she is flawed in that she only works in absolutes. Uh and throughout the movie, she learns to reconcile both her beliefs and her experiences with the world. And I think that like it's an almost uh an improvement or like a, a step beyond Steve Rogers' story for Diana. Like both she and Steve Trevor are kind of uh What's the word I'm looking for? Kind of uh, another version of the Steve Rogers story. But mm-hmm. like they go beyond that.
0: That's
3: so, definitely, yeah.
2: Which is why Wonder Woman is
3: All a right, better guys. movie.
2: Well, it's, it's, really
0: what, it's really what Clark Kent and Lois Lane should, should be. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. it's the archetype. Mm-hmm. This movie does Superman better than Superman.
2: I agree with that completely.
0: It's 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 what is supposed to happen with those stories. It's Superman is doing a thing and then he falls in love with this human being who is flawed unlike him and he realizes the beauty of flaws and and what is so uh you know it reinforces what is so important about how how he saves human beings is that their flaws are, I mean it, this movie is Doing that, and it, thank God, I'm so glad that we finally get that on the big screen. But it's what Superman was supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right, guys, uh, let me make a bunch of statements that uh, I think you guys are probably like really agree with. But We're gonna ready for this. <laughs> here we go. Okay, here, let's get, let's get some hums in there. All right, <laughs> um, to start with, <clears throat> I think that the uh, Wonder Woman's Halloween Commandos. I thought that whole like the Holland Commandos in Captain America. I thought were pretty poorly sketched out to begin with, and I thought it was probably about the same level of badness, if not slightly worse, in this movie. Ooh. Yes, each character gets like a, t- a tiny, teensy, tiny mini arc, uh, but they are so thinly sketched out that mm-hmm. I just really mm-hmm. no. <laughs> All right, everyone's yeah. <laughs> yeah see, I knew <laughs> this is I knew what would happen, but yeah. I mean, I felt like they were these characters just did not make an impression, and that's important because uh, you know, the whole thing that prompts this reverie she has about what happened during the world war is this photo that has all of them in them right you see it in Mm -hmm. Batman v Superman you see it at the beginning of this film is this photo and um so I was thinking oh my gosh like this this moment we're gonna find out how she met all these people and all the like strong connections and relationships she has with them what's a picture
0: of the only man she's loved
1: (laughs) yeah but like the other dudes in the photo too is what I'm talking about you know
0: it's it's like at the end she, at the end, she literally writes an email saying, thank you for reintroducing me to him or bringing him back to bringing me. Bringing him back to me. Yeah. Him, not them, him.
2: But well, I he, will he argue they yep. are just as strong, if not stronger, than the um, S- Howling Falling Commando, Commandos, the first yep. Avenger. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, I think you each character kind of has one characteristic they're given, right? Yeah, but Dave, uh, they, first of all, we talk
3: about movies being too overstuffed. So are we going to sketch out these characters quickly or are we going to like give each of them a big backstory and like overstuff the movie more? Like, I think what's important here is that each of them in a way represent like, the way war affects people in different ways, right? Like uh, Ewan Remner's character, he is the sort of shell-shocked PTSD guy. Uh, I really like The Chief, uh, played by Eugene Brayrock, who's just like this... He's he's been screwed over, and he's here like trying to help, I guess, but also trying to make a profit. And I like that big aside, like, "Oh, who who took all your people's stuff, right?" Mm-hmm. And
1: he's like his people. Yeah, I, and I guess when I, when I watch this movie, yeah. I see aspects of this movie, uh, particularly the war elements, uh, that are better done in other movies. So I'll, I don't I'll even say- remember. I- the Captain America group. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, go ahead, H.T.
2: <laughs> I think that, <laughs> I think that the, the supporting characters in this movie, um, particularly like her set of Howling Commandos, are so strong because there's so much left unsaid. Mm-hmm. There is a line by uh, Samir who um, says to Diana, we're all fighting our own battles. And I think that really well, that embodies so well, all of their own little storylines and arcs and backstories stories that um, we are introduced to, but we never get fleshed out because we just can kind of, um, s- just sort of uh, flesh that out on our own. It, reminds me a lot of actually Mad Max Fury Road and how we're introduced to all these really rich characters but nothing much is actually give like told or uh given to us in exposition we are uh, allowed to um guess and assume what they have gone through and I think that works really well especially with um Samir with uh Ewan Bremer's character and his PTSD with Chief mm-hmm. and I think that they that Raise that elevates them beyond the stock characters that I see with the Howling Commandos and First Avenger. They aren't just the the token, you know diverse characters they actually have their own stories and their own issues at their bat that they're going through and i love
1: that it's like character development jazz it's the uh lines they're not saying that makes it strong right well that's how subtlety works though dave i mean come on it it is funny
3: like you're I, i think you're ignoring the bits where this movie does try to do something interesting with these characters and you're like where is it
2: you're,
1: no, I'm not saying it's not trying to I'm not saying it's
2: being subtle. I have
1: never exactly. faulted the movie's ambition. I think the like the movie tries to do many things. That right, really, right. But really right could. now, you're asking for like more, like more. But you from you these think guys. of you think of movies like Mad Max: Fury Road or uh-huh. like uh, you know Saving Private Ryan. Another movie that comes to mind of like where this bunch of people who are, are this ragtag group all get together. They try to accomplish something. And certainly at the end of that movie, I felt like I had a, had a much better sense of who these characters were and how they all relate. To each other than I did during this movie. Now, of course, that's a completely different movie with a much different focus. But I'm just saying this movie tries Wonder Woman tries to have elements of many different movies that I feel do those elements a, a significantly better.
3: I, I now, guess I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna throw this out there. To, you
1: know, I'm gonna keep the the hits coming with this one, guys. All right, it's like the Dark Knight all over again. But okay, I'm gonna keep Let's the go. hits, hits coming with this one. There is this amazing visual. Uh, during this, like, no-man's-land scene. Firstly, a lot of people have, have said, like, uh, they're really glad that she didn't say, like, I am no man, and, like, rush out onto the field. Because <laughs> uh, that would have been pretty rough screenwriting. Uh, but... uh You know there
0: was a draft where she did, though, right? Let's be
3: honest. (laughs) At some point, she does refer to herself as, like, this man or something. I forget. In another scene, I found that to be really interesting.
1: She uh, goes onto the field, and, like, there are some really legitimately beautiful uh, shots that that happen. Like, when she, like, just the visual of her, like, pushing the shield up against, you know, uh, this huge volley of gunfire that's coming in. Like, the overhead shots, all that stuff. Uh, I really liked it. But Mm -hmm. I will say that I I, I was a little underwhelmed ultimately by that scene. Like, I guess I feel like I wish there had been more of, uh, like some better pacing to those war scenes. And I think, like, part of it is because just like budget and time constraints, and like it it felt like she just rushed out onto the field. Like, this is a a pretty critical moment in the movie, Right. right? She's like saying, Hey, F you, Chris Pine, we are saving these people she kind of rushes out to the field and like fights off like five dudes and then like the battle is over well no dave again
3: missing missing the whole scene (laughs) like (laughs) she's destroyed all the guns in the trenches
2: and then she ran off the village because she was trying to save the village not to kill all the soldiers
3: yeah but also like she goes out into that field and she doesn't really have a plan other than she knows she can deflect bullets and she's pretty strong and then the guys are like hey we can help and then they help, and then they work together to save the village. Like that is that whole scene. That that scene goes all the way to the
0: village, and and ends crescendos with her j- propelling herself into a building to knock it down.
1: Yeah, no, that that village, all that village stuff was very strong. I think it's, it's the just, same scene. The the the, the on field battle sequence, I just thought was. Uh, it did not, it felt very abridged to me. That's right. all I'll say. Like, when you compare it to movies like th- this, is another movie that, like, com- came to mind randomly when I was watching this movie. It's like Hacksaw Ridge had some of the best. Like on field battle sequences ever. Of course, like uh, 90% of that movie is on field battle sequence, but I'm just saying, like, when you see other movies that do aspects of it better, like, I can see a scene where, like, you know, it's uh, her facing down, you know, 50 dudes on this field of battle and, like, it being extremely convincing. Um, Dave Dave thinks it would have been.
0: Dave thinks it would have been better if there had been a horse wandering around. in the yeah. all right, all right,
1: Jeff. <laughs> how did that's, this horse survive the that, war? That's how guys? I know my argument is strong because you're bringing up the low blows now, Jeff. <laughs> bringing up the low blows.
3: like you know the war, horse war scenes were pretty brutal and they did go on for a while. So I don't know, but what this movie is trying to do, Dave, like she's not, she's not trying to win the war on her own. Like that in that whole, the whole point of that scene was her trying to clear the path to no man's land and save that village, and that's what it was. And I don't see the point in comparing it to a movie like Hacksaw Ridge, right. which is I, all about big extended battle scenes. So
0: I, I think the metaphor for that in that scene is that she's just been told that these two groups have been here for months, not doing anything. Yep. Yeah. Which, which is the theme, right? Is here is a bunch of people in constant war that is perpetual, and nothing changes. And God damn it, I'm gonna do something. And mm-hmm. she leaps up there, and she just. Absorbs all of the animosity, right? All of the all of the weapons are trained on her, and she just takes it and moves yeah. forward. And I think I found that to be I started crying. I found that to be yeah. so powerful I and did cry.
2: And <laughs> it's
0: That's an amazing a- moment. It's a it's a truly uh, amazing moment of her just I will be the one who mm-hmm. will take it and you go. And and I just thought that was so heroic. Like that is what these DC heroes are about. Like I can shoulder the burden. Here I go. Shoot me. I just thought that was so powerful.
3: So I think uh, – Let let me just say a little though, Dave. Like it's effective as a war scene, but it's also effective symbolically. Like this is – Yeah, that's
1: what – That is like –
3: That's a scene also of, yeah, all of the hate and animosity coming from like uh, the patriarchy – Towards this movie and towards like the dudes like screaming about the, you know, women only screenings and things like that. It's symbolic of so many things. And I think that's part of what that makes scene, that scene work, too.
2: Yes. She's well, literally uh, deflecting I, I, these bullets.
1: Uh, well I think okay. that yeah no I get I get you're saying there's a meta commentary to it as well. There's a right? lot yeah, going yeah. on there. She so, thinks, she's all of us. Yeah. Uh, you you know these, these are minor nits on, I haven't even brought up my real big issues with <laughs> the movie like all I was saying is that I think the build up to that scene of how these people have been locked in stalemate for months and then the subsequent scene that came after that did not feel like they matched to to me. So that's all that's all I'm saying about that. But uh, you know, it obviously worked for you guys, and that's great. And that's been my whole attitudes for this whole thing. Is like, the movie worked really well for you. It didn't yeah. for me. I'm trying my best to articulate why. I may or may not be doing a good job. But let's get to what I think a lot of people who even like the movie agree is yeah. hugely problematic with this This movie. is
0: where I'm going to agree with
1: you. Yeah, which so, is yeah. the final act, all right? Uh, I would say both the introduction of the real villain mm-hmm. and uh, and this, like... The fact that these two battle scenes are happening on the same, in the same geographic location with no connection between the two of them, mm-hmm. uh, like, they feel so disconnected. The whole thing just feels absolutely ridiculous, and, and it doesn't really look very good either. Um, so what did you guys think of you – know, Jeff, what did you think of the final act? Like, this seems to be a problem for you as well, right? So it's unfortunate that
0: it, the movie felt this – it felt compulsory. It's like, oh, we have to th- – here's how you end mm-hmm. superhero movies. Right, right. We have to do this. And I, I kept saying, please don't make him transform into another thing. Please don't make him
3: transform into another thing. And then, but don't of course, you
1: want to see giant,
3: muscly David Thuillis?
1: Full <laughs> <Roll laughs> What What uh, I want in my dreams and what I want in my movies are two different things. To do. <laughs> With the same facial hair, too. <laughs> here's what I will say.
0: I, I will say, firstly, that – It was done with enough panache and fun that it didn't ruin the movie for me. Yeah, right. the 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 actual fight itself was was fun enough, and then the sort of emotional beat of them connecting and the reveal of the fact that she can't hear him, and then understanding what he he says later. I I loved all of that. I thought worked and didn't ruin it. Didn't ruin the movie as it seems to have done for you.
1: But I I will. I thought the flashback to what happened three minutes ago was awful. Like that, just way to undercut. Like, I thought that was
3: beautiful that, that's I, that's part of the point i don't know
1: no. anyway there's a reason you don't flash back to things that happened three minutes ago in general in movies and this movie shows why but continue jeff sorry okay fair enough um
0: I, I, it is it is unfortunate that we needed to have I, I thought it would have been a much more beautiful poetic thing to realize that there are no gods and the god of war isn't a person or an Mm -hmm. entity it it is it is it lives inside all of us and that you know it's a that like oh if diana had realized oh shit this is a metaphor the whole time right (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah you know that would have been that would have been awesome i think that would have been so much more powerful and so much more interesting also i kept walking out of there going so why is there a world war ii
1: Right. Um, What about Vietnam and the Korean War? Like, what happened there? (laughs)
0: Well, I mean, World War II happens a very short amount of time after that. (laughs) And so I think we kind of need a sequel to go, Diana, what were you doing during World War II? (laughs) (laughs) I was
3: busy. Uh, Yeah, I mean,
0: you literally killed war, and then how many years later there's a World War II? That's...
3: But you know, I do think, like Jeff, the thing you're asking for, right? The idea of Ares or the God of War being a part of humanity. I think that is that is sort of what we're getting in the movie too. Because it's I
0: expressed, but it yeah, it, it did. It could have been. It could have really landed in a way that like mm-hmm. shocked her. Like, oh my god, I I got this sword, and that's not how you kill war. Like I, that all could have been so much more powerful. But it felt like we went, oh no, we're in a superhero movie, so we have to have, you know, the CGI punch scene.
3: And also. Uh, it does feel like we have to kind of legitimize the idea that the gods do exist in this universe. So I I don't know if they could have, like, gotten away from that. I do think that's part of it just because it's core to, what, Wonder Woman's creation and everything. And that's it's yeah. all part of this mythology, so we can't just, like, pretend Ares doesn't exist. You're right. Um, but at the same time, I think the idea of what he was trying to do – so with the battle, kind of messy, big CG mess. I, I found it more compelling than a lot of other big superhero battles. But his idea – of just being like, I'm, I'm just going to whisper in these guys ears, you know, I'm just going to give humanity a little push and see where it goes. And his whole idea is to just prove that we are not the greatest, like we are not great. And philosophically, that is the conclusion. Like, this is like the final essay for her in the college course of becoming <laughs> Wonder Woman 101. Right? It's like, d- 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 are people good? Are people inherently good? Are people inherently bad? And she's like, well, it's both. And now I have to fight this battle with my fists. But it's also, you know, making that argument that humanity can be both. And she's going to fight for what she believes in. And he just wants to kind of destroy humanity by kind of leaning us to the bad. And she's fighting for the good. So philosophically, that is what's happening. And I found that to be compelling, even if the actual, you know, fight scene wasn't as great as it could have been. Yeah. Go ahead, HG.
2: Oh yeah, I agree completely with Jeff. I think that the movie was about to say something really interesting by having Ares not be, you know, a big thing that you can punch, but then, you know, you have to have your mandatory fight scene, and that ended up happening. Um, but I liked actually the introduction of Ares as a sort of corporeal, incorporeal kind of being who whispers in the ears of men. And I liked him essentially as like evil Lupin who um, doesn't actually, (laughs) yeah, it's basically what he was playing who um, doesn't completely take any action and just lets humanity run its course. And I really liked um, him leading Diana to question that the innate nature of humanity and whether like they are good or bad. Um, But I think that they kind of interrupted that philosophical discourse by having her you know punch Ares in his tank armor um, <laughs> <laughs> which was which is a little ridiculous, but I don't think it was any worse than most other superhero third acts i've seen Mm because i know david saying like this is one of the worst third acts i've ever seen and it completely ruined the movie for me but it wasn't any worse than for example thor which had no interesting really interesting message at the end to say like with the his whole fight scene whereas this one the fight scene was intrinsically tied to diana's whole um struggle and conflict and yeah i did have a problem with how her fight and with and Steve's fight was kind of disconnected. But I did actually see it, um, the, see the movie the second time around. And it worked better for me having their fights sort of happening parallel, but not together because they were both fighting for kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it worked as both like the conclusion to Steve's story as well as the conclusion to Diana's story because I saw them almost as like separate stories that you could view the, mu- the movie from. But yeah, I, I wish Ares was just, didn't have to, to engage in a big battle with Diana. I think it would have worked really well if, you know, she had an inner struggle, some sort of internal struggle, um, instead of having to make that message with her fists. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how completely it would have worked. Like, I don't don't know, like, if they could have had him live at the end or have him just, like, you know... Disappear somehow because of the power of love.
1: But. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I, I'll, I'll say this as well. That like the. Uh, my, my fiance found the very last moment of that fight scene. Where, you, you know, Steve is flying up into the sky. And the thing explodes and stuff. And she's like trapped under this metal. And screaming like Steve. Uh, and then like that is what unlocks her power. Is not like. Um, not love. But like this romantic love theoretically. That she felt for this guy uh my fiance found that idea to be profoundly anti-feminist that this Mm. character who uh she what about all those people who died on the beach what about her mom what about robin wright you know like all these other characters who uh have meant so much to her and she just met this guy and like he's the one who's like gonna give her the strength to like fight this dude it just she Uh, that really rubbed her the wrong way so
3: it, it is, it is a kind of a statement on romantic love and everything. So yeah, right. it's, it's tough because she couldn't, she may not have been able to have that in the same way in her, I, I don't know, on, on the island or something. Right. That, that imagery, not great. I do, but to what you were saying, Dave, the flashback, like, God damn, man, like that is so, <laughs> that's incredibly heartbreaking. That's like the final scene from Lost in Translation, right? Except she didn't know that was happening. And then it happened and then he's dead and she's going to have to live with that for the rest of her life because the man who loved her said he loved her and she didn't she she couldn't she comprehend it what? What was actually yeah what? she was like what say <laughs> <laughs> so i
1: but yeah, that, did, maybe, that did feel like after everything she's been through to be not super in character like the, the she knows about people going off to war and dying like she understands that concept so yeah but it, it hasn't hit her personally until like this oh moment, you mean like, when right robin then. wright died it didn't hit her personally like i just don't It's a little different it, it's a little different I, all right yeah i mean i i didn't i didn't buy that as a moment and i also think just like the like mechanics it, of flashing back to that like it just <laughs> it it's, it's, it's is a beautiful scene it's a beautiful scene when they don't play the audio over it and then to flashback and then it's like why why did you show it to us the first time you know like because i think she has that realization
3: later that is the point of showing you the flashback she doesn't realize what was said then but as he's going towards his doom she's like oh shit what's happening right now and it's like yeah. all of those emotions kind of like reconciling
1: at the same time. So- sure, sure. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like I said, I, I am. It sounds like a, it might sound like I'm being sarcastic. I'm legitimately glad the movie worked for so many people. Yeah. Uh, I, again, I'm just trying to hold down like my opinion as like why it didn't work for me and trying to explain why that's the case. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like yeah, a lot of people. I think a lot of people had issues with the third act. Jeff, I think you articulated it very well. What what, what the main issue is like, it it feels. You know, I think I tweeted about how disappointing this movie was, and someone. Tweeted like I said, the last act exemplifies the worst aspects of DC movies. I and someone agree
2: with that? But. So,
1: someone said, um, "So what? A CGI doomsday shows up," and I said, "No comment," because I mean that's basically what happens in this movie. Yeah. But HT, you disagree?
2: Yeah, I mean it doesn't exemplify the worst of it because it does have it does feel sort of storyboarded by Zack Snyder in that there has to be some big CGI battle but I don't think it takes away from the ultimate message of the movie because it's love that ultimately wins the day. And um, speaking to your wife's comment about uh, true love being the thing that spurs her on and having her reach that um, conclusion that, you know, love and humanity are good. uh, I do think that her love for Steve Trevor uh, is an extension of her realization of the innate goodness of humanity because Mm -hmm he's making that sacrifice of his own life for billions of other people, or not billions, thousands of other people. And um, it kind of, it works for me in that it becomes the sort of umbrella of all the things that she's learned about people and humankind.
0: I think I think that HT is is kind of hitting on mm-hmm. what, is, what is the key difference. And you say, what about Robin Wright? She didn't care about Robin Wright. Robin Wright's existence as a noble goddess. I mean, she's not a goddess technically like Diana is, but these are, these are women who are heightened and their entire existence is there to protect and to uh, lay down their lives if needed. They are, they are, they are growing up in this, right? This community where that is the, that is the truth, right? What she sees Steve do is be a regular flawed human being who, 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 is much more fragile than her, you know, her Amazonian sisters do that. And I think that is what is truly inspiring. And I think that's that's the theme that I was trying to articulate at the beginning of, of my comments, which is that these god characters, these DC, larger than life, best of us. They're the best of us, right? But they, what is so compelling about them as mythology is that they are constantly learning that in their perfection there is still more to be learned about imperfection. And I think that's kind of what the movie is trying to do in that moment is she is elevated by someone much less than her, much weaker and more fragile than she doing something heroic, right? She is like and that's what Superman is supposed to do. He's supposed to see someone <laughs> See a a small, insignificant person do something heroic in a very small way and go, oh, I can translate that into a much grander scale because Mm -hmm. of the power I'm afforded.
2: I agree. I feel like this was definitely the movie that Superman or Man of Steel should have been for all the God and Jesus imagery that Man of Steel had. It never quite exemplified why he has those powers or why he wants to help humanity.
1: Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's it's also like kind of a a, a Jesus metaphor as well. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like the idea that like, you know, uh, if if from the Christian religion, at least, you know, Jesus being this uh, being God, but but that there's something about humanity that uh, compels him to to save us, you know, Uh, and and like and you see it in acts like what uh, Steve Trevor did at the end of this movie. Um, But. Uh, so thematically, the film totally works for me, Jeff. You know, like, I think I, I love all the themes. I love all the ambition of the movie. I think, like, for me, the the final act does really... Um, uh, sour the movie for me and also like many of the the executional elements of the film also like uh feel pretty rough for me and that's why it didn't work but all those things work for you guys or at least at the very least you're able to like overlook some of the challenges of the last act because everything else in the movie is so good and i i totally understand that position so Mm -hmm. as we wrap up here are there any uh closing thoughts we want to say about wonder woman
3: i do i do i do think it's going to be one of those movies that is going to reward repeated viewings just because mm-hmm. there's so much going on in terms of the action i think thematically there may be even things i missed i think dave like if you watch this movie again i really wonder if anything would work differently for you but that's basically the the biggest takeaway i have from me is like i can't wait to watch this again um i haven't i want to see it with my wife i want to see it with you know all of my friends i want to see it many many times
2: I definitely think that Wonder Woman gets better with each viewing because I saw it a second time last night and I enjoyed it immensely. And there are parts that I didn't really pay attention to or notice the first time around, especially with the supporting characters and with Steve's story. And that worked so much for me. Uh, and then I think, again, I will enjoy it more if I watched it a third time and mm-hmm. and notice more things. So I you, agree with you, Devendra.
1: You know, I, let, me, let me just say this, actually, in terms of something that was really good about the movie um, I thought that the whole the whole like mechanics of how wonder, "quote unquote" Wonder Woman works, I thought they really nailed. I mean, the shield, the lasso stuff. Which, like these are ideas that I think. Um, at first glance, would be silly, you know. Like, mm-hmm. there's a reason why it's been challenging to bring Wonder Woman to the big screen. There was that uh, pilot. Do you guys ever see that pilot, the Wonder yeah. Woman TV pilot that was like, yeah, uh, what's her name from Friday Night Lights? Right,
2: Adrian Palicki.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was so. For those who don't know, there was a Wonder Woman TV show. There was a pilot shot. I don't think it was ever publicly released, uh, but it leaked online, and so people got to see it, and it looked. I think ridiculous. I saw it at Comic
0: Con. Actually, yeah,
1: it looked uh, it looked very very silly because uh, a lot of aspects of Wonder Woman, like just the outfit, uh, the lasso that she uses, you know, all, there's all these different aspects. Well, it was
0: that, a CW esque version sure, of Wonder Woman. Sure, sure.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, in my opi- in my opinion, you may disagree. In my opinion, it was a challenge to bring this character to the big screen in a way that exudes right. gravitas. Uh, like they did with this character, and I think they did a really nice job of that. I think the whole it all works. The look, uh, how she fights, how that all works. I think it, it all just like comes together beautifully on screen.
0: But beyond, so, beyond gravitas, although I agree with you, Dave. But beyond gravitas, I I, I don't think we've spoken enough about the humor and charm. Mm-hmm. In this movie, like just the scene of her trying to walk through the door with her shield and sword (laughs) is worth. Like, there's nothing like that in Man of Steel. Mm -hmm. You have a Clark Kent character who, and I know I keep talking about Superman, but it just makes me so angry that they know (laughs) clearly what WB can do with this. Um, But anyway just mm-hmm. just that one scene alone but there's there are like half a dozen of those moments of charm you know she eats the ice cream or mm-hmm. we go shopping and and she puts on every outfit and they're like oh my god she's amazing and everything like it's those go so far in in making a movie more palatable and more more interesting and more fun and giving more facets because yeah i was moved and i felt a deep darkness in a lot of this movie but it doesn't have to be all painted with the same broad brush you can have those moment uh, moments of lightness and in fact the contrast makes the other stuff better and i Mm -hmm. i wish that lesson was learned before now in the w in the uh, dc universe because just a, a few of those in batman v superman or man of steel would have helped in such a large large sense yeah I mean mm-hmm. I
1: think that the tone is definitely right I mean Jeff you were talking about in our Batman v Superman review about how like these are supposed to be aspirational characters um, kids where you know dress up as superman for halloween right i i would not have felt good about my kid dressing up as superman after batman v superman you know <laughs> i but, agree but, yeah. it, but it, i would be fine with my daughter just dressing going out beating up every batman on the street right yeah. i'd be fine with my daughter dressing up as wonder woman because like this is a truly aspirational character that right. represents yeah. the best of us it's everything we want superheroes to be i'm also curious like what I, I'm so curious, like, what would the world, the cinematic world be like if this movie came out before Batman v Superman? Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. how would that so movie better. have been received differently
0: or, you know? Well, I think I certainly would have been much more excited about a DC universe. Like, right. I would have been like, yeah, this is they nailed it. They're doing it.
1: Right. W- would the success of this movie have, like, informed the tone of the Batman v Superman? But that, then again, I think my guess is that the tone of this movie is a direct reaction to, to the negative yep. reviews of mm-hmm. Batman v Superman. Yeah. My, that's my guess. I don't know if to... that's actually the case, but yeah. I would assume so.
3: Well, I, um, also, I just have to say, I, I think Chris Pine does a good job of selling a lot of this stuff too, right? Because he's introduced to things like the, uh, the Lasso of Truth and everything. And his performance in that scene, he's like, what is happening? Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> it's yeah, he's a, a great, great audience ha- surrogate. In he's
2: a story. really good yeah. audience yeah. surrogate. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah um so anyway you know i I just want to say like there were many things about this movie that i really liked as well um and it's not like i thought it was just a total loss but taken as a whole it didn't really work for me um but uh jeff any closing thoughts on this movie
0: uh, I mean, I, I I'm so glad it works. I I wish I'd put it on my on my top ten, uh, <laughs> because I'm I'm rooting for it, and and I you know I want this to be the tone of Justice League. I I'm feared that it is a minor blip uh, in the tapestry, but I hope I hope that's not the case. Um, but you know, I, I I love in a in a dark time in the real world, it felt so wonderful. To come out of a movie with with a feeling of hope, and go, oh yeah, this this movie is about what's good in all of us, and that's what these characters are there to highlight. And I I often these days have a hard time feeling good about human beings, and yeah. and it's, it was so refreshing and nice to have this movie. Like we don't need that dark stuff anymore. We got plenty of that in the real world. Let's let's give us some hope with hopeful characters like these
3: it was definitely refreshing you know and it also feels like man we are just the last few weeks have been incredibly dark too like i think for me um the thing that happened in portland was incredibly distressing because <laughs> that was somebody trying to do good you know people real who were trying to do good real heroes and they were killed because of it and that and what is the messaging there and i still feel like Especially in, like the DC universe. I don't know. The the heroics, the idealism of like why somebody would do that. And those are the real heroes we need in the world. Um, we just weren't seeing that. This movie affected me on that level because it was all about that idea of like standing up and being the one to take all, you know, all the gunfire or something. Being the one to just help. And I thought that was incredibly moving.
0: Well said.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Uh, well, that's our review of Wonder Woman. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be reviewing next week. In the meantime, uh, you can find more episodes of this podcast at com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. And uh, you can find our theme music by adamwarrock.com. Kyle Hillinger did our spoiler bumper. HT, where can we find more of your work on the internet this week?
2: So you can find my work at slashfilm.com. I'm on Twitter at htranbui, and I also have a podcast, the Millennial Falcon Podcast. We're on Twitter at Falcon Podcast, and we are on SoundCloud, Google Play, and iTunes.
3: All right. Uh, Devendra Hardwar, how about you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Devendra. I write about tech and Gadget.com. And I also talked about The Phantom Menace on the Desi Geek Girls podcast. So check that
1: out, too. Jeff Canada.
0: I have several other shows for you to check out. Uh, you can always follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Kanata. But I have two video game shows, including a daily video game show. It's only 10 minutes a day, but it gets you up to date with all the video game news. You can find that at anchor.fm slash nlb for newest, latest, best. And I have a weekly video game show called DLC that you can find at 5by5.tv slash dlc. I also do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns that you can find at wehaveconcerns.com.
1: And find all of my stuff at DaveChen.net. Thanks for listening. Next week, we'll be reviewing The Mummy. The, the mummy. start of another cinematic universe, guys. That's right. When, <laughs> Are we ready? Well, I think this one is also going to inspire little girls all around the country. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I don't think it's... Uh, I'm very curious if this is going to be... I mean, it looks like it could be terrible, but... Uh, I, Tom, I Tom have Cruise. questions about the whole like mechanics of how they're setting the sequence up, but okay. <laughs> Tom Cruise, though, guys. Tom, Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. Yeah, Tom Cruise. All right. Thanks, Russell Crowe. Thanks for listening to the official podcast of SciShow.com. We're out.
0: Done. the movie!
1: All right, everyone, welcome to the Slash Filmcast After Dark, uh, where we talk about a variety of random topics. I'm here with HT and Jeff Kanata, and I just wanted to mention one movie I saw this week. Have you guys heard of this movie, Casting John Benet, written and directed by uh, Kitty Green? Yes. I've heard of it, yes. Yeah, but none of you have seen it, I'm guessing? No. No. Um, So this is a really interesting movie. A few people have suggested we review it on the Slash Filmcast. Uh, And Jeff, I wanted to talk with you about this, because you're an actor, and uh, you can relate with what 's happening in this movie. basically what what Kitty Green does is uh, they get in a bunch of people to rec- uh, she gets in a bunch of people to recreate the story of Jean Benet Ramsey, right um, the, this girl, Beauty Queen, who was uh, murdered. and she uh, the the movie is made up of you know maybe ten percent actual recreations of the crime. And ninety percent interviews with actors who are trying to get a role in the reenactment of the crime. Whoa, Does that make weird. sense. Yeah. So, so yeah. what's cool about it is that like the actor interviews stand in like what I think Kitty Green's trying to say is like how we construct uh, a crime like this in our head is very diverse. You know, there's all these different actors, they are they're bringing in their own different perspective to it, like. Oh yeah, um, I had someone murdered in my family, and you know, uh, like uh, John Benet's mom acted completely reasonably because sometimes when you have a death in your family, you just want to be quiet and very reserved. And then this other- is an
0: actor auditioning for the role of Jean Benet's mom.
1: That's right, that's right.
0: <laughs> well, and then other people will it's say it's disingenuous. But go ahead.
1: Right, right. Well, I'm going to get into to that, but yeah, I, I mean, other people say, um, well, you know, other people will say, yeah, John Benet's mom was acting all. Uh, like, uh, completely unreasonably, and I think she definitely killed her. You know, like, all, like, and then you you have all this multiplicity of perspectives on this thing, and it, together it kind of tells you how society perceives a certain crime. Uh, and so I, I thought that's, like, a pretty interesting thing to do, but the whole movie made me feel really gross. And yeah. if, because of, you know, you were saying it's disingenuous, Jeff. Why did you say it? What, what was your reaction to that?
0: Well, imagine um, going into a job interview, right? And the person conducting the job interview asks you questions about your, you know, what what is your biggest flaw? And you go, Well, I just try too hard. You know, I'm just the person that tries too hard. I just, and then they make a movie where it's like, Look at these assholes talking about how hard they try. About, you know, it's like, Well. The context of how you ask the question and under what pretense you ask the question is, is – makes makes the answer – you can't just rip it out of that context and, and uh, show it as some sort of like deep <laughs> insight into how we all feel. Mm.
1: Uh,
0: it is – people are trying to get a job and they're also trying to speak from the position of the character that you want them to play. So – it's all it's it's several levels of bullshit. Yeah,
1: you- I, I I agree. Like I think that they're trying they're trying to get a job, right? And mm-hmm. and maybe if you're trying to get a job, you perform a little bit more. Like you're you're speaking in a way that you wouldn't if you were just sharing your actual personal thoughts on something. Right? It
2: sounds like um, from your description and from the trailer I saw that the movie is trying to make some sort of statement on our fascination with true crime and like how salacious our... Um, Depiction of true crime and of these like murders and real life happenings are, but by bringing in real people who are you know just trying to get a job and just trying to um, embody these characters who were tragically killed or were involved in this um, murder, um, it it does feel a little bit icky. <laughs> it's yeah, bad th- th- way to say
1: it. But yeah, I was reading Alison Wilmore's review of this at BuzzFeed, and she said she called it glib the way that the camera uh, explores these people's thoughts. And I, I agree completely. I mean, I think, like, if you think about, like, the work of, like, Errol Morris, for instance, you know, he interviews some pretty weird people, but it's very rare where I'll feel like Errol Morris is laughing at these people in some way, right? Mm-hmm. Or that he's kind of ridiculing them or, or saying that this, you know, that making light of them in some way. Um, and I felt this movie did that, quite frequently um, well, let me
0: t- let me tell you another n- another little anecdote um i may have actually mentioned this on the show before so you can stop me if i have but many many years ago <laughs> when i uh first moved to los angeles and um punked was like the be all <laughs> end all of of television right it was it was making lots of money everybody was talking about it it was there, there was a bunch of uh, reality show producer uh, those
1: halcyon days when punked yeah. was the height of culture <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It was a simpler time. It was a happier time.
2: was the biggest thing.
1: Ten yeah. seasons, 76 episodes of Punk'd. We got. Right. God. So there was
0: this thing that was happening in L.A. Uh, for non-union actors where uh, you would go to an audition and they would have you sign a waiver that says, uh, we can use your audition however we want. Right. Yeah. And in order to get in the door to audition at all, you had to sign that waiver. So everybody did because that's how you get jobs and the, the job pool it far outstrips the number of jobs. It's hard to be an actor. Every, all this, these non-union people are just clamoring for an opportunity to even have a shot. So everybody willfully get, gave away their rights. Yeah. Well, there were a bunch of real dicks – That we're were posting uh, fake projects that weren't ever going to be the project because the project itself were these audition tapes that they were going to then cut into a hilarious prank show. Well, we made a bunch of unwitting idiots do stupid things because yeah. you go into these auditions and they're like, okay, I need you to uh, you know, take off your shirt and sing an, uh, you know, yeah. sing an aria. And so the person would do it because they're trying to get a job and all they're trying to do is get that job and not thinking that they were going to be completely embarrassed uh, on the show. So I have a kind of a, a a chip on my shoulder from those days. I never was one of the people that did one of these things but – I knew had friends that were, and the word quickly got around among sort of acting circles in LA of like, don't go to any audition where they make you sign that thing, right? Because there are a bunch of these like, we want to make a hilarious punk type show where we, and and they they just thought the talent pool of actors were gonna was so easy to manipulate, which they are, um, and it it, it kind of feels a little akin to that with what's yeah, happening. Yeah, I, I
1: completely agree. Now, very
2: exploitative. That,
1: now, that being – yeah, it felt exploitative. That being said, I believe, based on interviews the uh, director has given and, like, actually one of the actors in the movie actually tweeted at me after I tweeted about the movie, saying that, like, it was very clear that the footage was going to be used, you know, all the – That's food- good. They are filmed and everything. Like, no one was under false pretenses. But it did still feel gross, like, because the di- – like you said, Jeff, the di- you can't divorce the words from the the – economic dynamics that are at play there which is that these people are trying to get a job they're trying to do their best and i think that's you know i think um the director kitty green is exploring that you know she's saying these people are trying like what does it say about society that these people are trying to get Mm. this job where they play uh these murderers you know or people who are suspected of murder and uh, you know uh it just is like because they're trying to get any job, right? They're trying to get any job. Like these people are not full-time actors, right? They're not. Mo- the most of them are not full-time actors. They work at, you know, they're like managers at the local pharmacist or whatever. And um, the the film is shot in Colorado, where you know there's not a huge acting scene, so they're they're, they're locals. Oh man. Um, man even, so yeah. yeah, it just it, the whole thing made me feel very uncomfortable, and it it will tell you nothing about the facts of the of the John Benet Ramsey case. Like uh, I, I mean that you can't read off a Wikipedia page. So it's not really even about that, right? It's more about um, these actors and, and kind of how they portray this thing. And uh, so that being said, it is very interesting. I will say, even though I did not like the movie, even though it made me uncomfortable, even though it made me feel icky, the movie's very interesting. I mean, just seeing all these opinions juxtaposed, seeing people pour their hearts out uh, and tell stories about their own lives and how they relate to the JonBenét Ramsey case, that's just inherently interesting um and so for that reason it's worth checking out but it, it didn't make me feel extremely uncomfortable and i didn't like how it made me feel and I, I, I don't agree with how they they made the movie so um but a lot of people emailed in saying we should review that and i wanted to give it a shout out here on the after dark the movie is casting john it's available on netflix thanks for tuning into the slash cast after dark
2: Yes, it's me, Jamie Lane from Made in Chelsea,
1: and you have stumbled across the Made in Chelsea podcast. Now, I know I'm a pretty charming guy, all right? And people come up to me and go, hey, Jamie, <laughs> how do you do it? And I tell them, be enthusiastic about meeting people. And most importantly, always be ready to smile. So make
0: sure yours are looking the best with Sensodyne. It's designed to help care for sensitive teeth. The MIC Drop is proudly sponsored by Sensodyne. Here for the hashtag sensitive moments on Maiden Chelsea.